0: So good to see you here. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and also turn to Acts chapter number 2. As we prepare for this, um, you'll notice in your bulletin there's an outline here and um, I've only got four things for you to fill in, just four. So it'll be very simple. But also want to encourage you regarding the Connect groups. You need to be involved in the Connect group because we will develop the message today, and you will receive something like this, except it will be in color, and uh, will you can delve more deeper into what we're going and unpack what we're going to be talking about here today. Because we're talking about relationships. A couple weeks ago, Michael started the series on relationships. Uh, look at the. The big picture, gaining the big picture, and begin to think about that. And we're thinking that as a Christian, what is the big picture here on this planet? What are we supposed to be doing here on this planet? And so we have a principle here, and today's principle is that God has placed me in our church to grow and serve. Also, there's a statement at the top of your thing. This is very important. Those united with Christ in salvation are to share the life of Christ with one another, which results in spiritual growth individually and in the church body. Now, I put that in your bulletin because I knew that was a mouthful. And it's a lot for you to think about. But as we begin to to look at what it means to be a church. And so the title of today's message is Doing Church. You often hear people say, you know, we are the church. What does that look like? What is that that supposed to mean? Well, we look at a passage here, and and we can develop this into a series on its own. But when it comes to doing church, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and let's see exactly what the Bible says the church actually is. And we're only going to look at one particular verse at this very moment, because the Bible tells us in verse number 27, The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Did you catch that? You are the body of Christ and members individually. We've used the term here quite a bit over the last few weeks in Christ. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are not just uh, taking on a doctrinal truth. What you're doing is you're receiving the Savior. And the Bible tells us that you're taken out of your sins and you're placed in Christ's righteousness. And that's a very important thing because as we gather together corporately like this, in the local church, we are a representation of the body of Christ here on this planet right now. And when we understand that and we get our head around that, we can then understand what the purpose of the church is and why we come together and why we do what is stated behind me and what this is all about. The book of Ephesians tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, and verses 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul says regarding the church, he says, We're speaking the truth in love, may grow up into all things unto him who is the head. Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I've also got that in your bulletin there because I want you to be able to look at that verse and highlight, maybe circle some of the key words there. Some of the key words is, is the head of the church is Jesus Christ. The church uh, is not some corporate body that's just like, you know, a, a nonprofit organization. We recognize that. But what it is is Jesus Christ actually working here through you and me because we are in Christ. Let's look at the context here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's, let's unpack this just a little bit before we actually get into the message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 4 through 7, the Apostle Paul is talking about serving. And he's talking about the various things that we're supposed to be doing. And it says in verse number 4, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And this is important. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. In other words, every believer has a spiritual gift which needs to be utilized in service. That is the purpose. The Bible doesn't know of a Christian who is not serving. The Bible doesn't know about Christians who don't meet together for, uh, in the body of Christ for, for the four different objectives that I'm about to show you. Yes, there are wonderfully different types of ministry, and we see this in, in our church. It's a, it's a wonderful thing when I observe, and I'm fairly new here, but it's a wonderful thing to see the various gifts that God has given you. It's important to remember, however, that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the gifts. So whether you're up here speaking, or you're, you're setting up the chairs, or, you're, or you're, you're doing the tea, or you're making that phone call during the week, or you're sending that encouraging text message, the Holy Spirit's given you a gift of ministry. And it's up to you and me to understand those gifts and be able to exercise them. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Look back in your bulletin again. It says that, um, that it is to profit all. The effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So why do we exist as a local church? What are we here for? You know, it's important to be able to formulate and ask the right questions. Understand that every people come to church for different reasons, and they come to church. And um, it's, it's a difference in the ministry. I, I notice that people will say, um, Larry, this is your church, or, or that's your church. Or, or, but then they say, it's my church, our church. So why are you coming here today? We find that answer in a statement that the Apostle Paul gives. It's not in your notes or anything, but it's found in 1 in Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 31. It's a pretty heavy statement. He says, therefore, whether you eat or you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 31. So, what does that look like? To do everything to the glory of God. The local church is an expression of the body of Christ. If we're going to see anything that's working here on this planet that represents Jesus Christ, it's got to be the local church. The Apostle Paul said it to the Corinthian church in 1 in, in Corinthians chapter 12. Turn back there, if you will, and let's have a, just a quick glance over that before we get into, into um, some practical things here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, it illustrates the church as a body with Christ as the head. And um, in verses number 14 and 18 and 21, as you, as you glance down and look at that, you, you see here the most unusual thing happening he says here, he, he says that they, they've got a, a discussion amongst the body parts. <laughs> the hand is talking to the ear. And, the, and the, um, uh, for example, he, he says here, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, as if ears could talk. Because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? What's his point? His point is that every single part of the body, you are incredibly important to the functioning of the body of Christ with Christ as the head. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit goes to church. (laughs) The Holy Spirit gives the gifts. We just read that the first part. The Holy Spirit gives it out to each and every one of us to be a blessing to each and every one of us. And so we see here in verse number 18. And I want you to put your, 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 your thoughts in this. In verse number 18, hopefully you have it there in your Bible. I don't think I have it on the screen here. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. It says in verse number 24 that God composed the body. I have a, a, a firm conviction that you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose and for purpose. And when you and I understand that, we can understand that relationships need to be developed and to have a development of relationships, we need to put good habits or disciplines into our life. And so the purpose, he says here in in, 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 um, verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said the purpose is that there'd be no divisions, that there'd actually be care for one another. He says in verse number 26 that when those, and even Michael mentioned this today, in his introductory remarks, it's, it's quite a normal thing for a church that when one is suffering, other people are rising up and praying and suffering with them. When people are rejoicing, you'll get people who will just be rejoicing with you. And for some reason that's only God knows, we can actually do the same thing at the same time. That's the church, and you and I get to be a part of it. The body of Christ. So let's see what that ministry actually looks like. And so we turn to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter number two, we go to um, the church at Jerusalem. And it's going to give us an illustration. I could have taken you to uh, the Philippian church, which I will mention in a few moments. I could have taken you to the church at Ephesus and talked about that. And we could take you to the book of the Revelation where you have the seven churches and talk about that. But let's go to the very first church. I'll tell you why. Because these people didn't know what church looked like. They had nothing else to compare it to. They were the church. Let's pick it up in verse number 41 of um, Acts chapter number 2. The Bible says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about, now get this, three thousand souls were added unto them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any one had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved church of jerusalem familiar passage isn't it it's on the day of pentecost if you look at the context there and you 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 understand that that the the disciples were about 120 and they were gathered together because jesus told them to wait for the coming of the holy spirit the holy spirit came and we find that he came in a context in verse number five of 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 chapter two the bible tells us that there were jews there and they were devout men from every nation under heaven. They were there for Pentecost. They were there to worship. In verses 8 through 10, we understand that there is at least 16. Now get this, 16 different ethnic groups in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And they came from all different, and they had different dialects. And so when, when Peter got up and the others were started to preach, they all heard it in their own dialect or their own tongue or their own language. And so Peter preached a sermon. It was was a sermon that I wish I could preach and get that sort of results. It was, first of all, short. (laughs) He used the Old Testament and the people he was speaking to understood what he was talking about because they knew their Old Testament. They were devout Jews. Now get your head around this for a minute. They were devout Jews looking for the Messiah. The one Peter was preaching about had just Days before, been crucified publicly. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He appeared to hundreds of people at one time. He had gone about and he had, he had um, uh, sent his disciples out and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But before you do that, I want you to wait in the upper room and I want you to pray because you cannot do that unless the Holy Spirit's empowering you to do it. And all these people were milling around. There were thousands in Jerusalem. There was no internet. There was nothing to to talk about. All they had was was their own worship and their word of mouth. And Peter gets up and he begins to preach. And 3,000 people received Jesus Christ as their Savior that day. And 3,000 people were baptized. I've been meditating on that, thinking about that this week. It's such a familiar passage. I've known this for so many years, and so many of you have as well. But just get your head around this just for a moment. Say, for example, there was 12 of those apostles. The Bible doesn't say this, but well, he does say there are 12 apostles. But there are 12 apostles. Let's call them the pastors of that new church. So you've got 12 pastors with a group of 120 people. And they're all sitting there saying, well, this is going to be an easy thing. We'll just divide the the people around. There'll only be 10 of us, you know, 10 for each person. I can handle that. I can pray for 10 people. I can go and call on them. I I can handle that. Oh, let's all just pray together. The Bible says that they were with one accord, which means they were totally unified together. And so you got 12 apostles. And let's say, for example, that they were all baptizing. And so that would mean that all those apostles were baptizing 3,000 people, that those apostles were baptizing, that would be 250 people each. Okay. We have pastoral staff meetings here at at our church. And we pray together and and Michael casts a vision for us and and, and we talk about you. (laughs) We pray for you. And, um, and we talk about how are we to minister. As I was thinking about this, let's say, for example, this next week, from now until next Sunday, we have to baptize each of us. We have three pastors on staff. We have baptized 250 people in one day. Next Sunday, our church grows to over 750 people in one day we'd say, what in the world are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now, you know, today they have so many church books on how to do church and how to organize and how to get buildings and how to do all these different things. And as I begin to think about this, let's see how the body of Christ functioned. These are people who did not know. One thing about all they knew is Jesus Christ was their Savior. That's all they knew. Well, let's have a look here in Acts chapter 2. And let's have a look at verse number 42. And we're basically going to stay in that verse. And we've got four objectives that we see in this church. Actually, I came up with six or seven, but we're going to bring it into four different groups. (laughs) And I'm going to propose that you consider that that must be the same objectives for Southwest Baptist Church as well. The first thing we see here in verse number 42 of Acts chapter 2 is that they they were worshiping people. So they worshiped. The Bible says here that they continued steadfastly. And the word continued steadfastly means that they were devoted. Now, these were, these were um, most of these people were devout people. They were there at Pentecost. They were there, and their devotion was to Judaism. All of a sudden now, they're devoted to something else. And so these are people who have changed their devotion. They've changed the importance of what they're doing. What was important a week ago is now totally changed, And they're going to meet together, and they're going to continue steadfastly. From continue steadfastly, I could have called that point commitment. But I think commitment kind of loses a little bit of the punch. Because commitment, you can be committed to a football team. You can be committed to a lot of different things. But when you're involved in the body of Christ, your commitment turns into worship. Everything that you and I do... In the body of Christ is an act of worship. Before you had 120 people who were devoted, the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 14, they were, quote, devoted to prayer together. Now with thousands more, they're still devoted. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6, in verse number 4, That the pastors are now going to be um, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So they're going to be devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. There's a context there, by the way. Thousands more had been added to the church, to the place where the pastors were running around and they were serving tables and doing all these different things. And they said, look, we need to get more people involved in ministry so that we can continue to be in prayer and in, in, the, in the devotion of the, of the word of God in order that the people can be doing the work of the ministry. Remember Ephesians chapter number four that we read at the very beginning. That we may everybody do their Share. So number one is, they were worshiping people. Number two, we see that they were a church with an objective of instruction. It says here in verse number 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Oh, they knew the Old Testament. They knew about life. They knew about how to handle and how to, how to be successful in the, in the, um, in the in this lifestyle that they had chosen. But now they're going to be learning a new doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. New believers need to be nourished in the word of God. Peter um, picked that up. Peter was here that day. Later on, he writes. And he says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. He says, as newborn babies... Desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. That's an objective to desire the sincere milk of the word. He says, "If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." Do you ever get tired of the Word of God? Do you ever get do you ever get tired of all the promises that you that you read in the Word of God? Oh, surely not. Because we desire milk. Just like if you have a baby and they, you feed her, uh, feed her or him one day. Uh, and the next day you say, well, I fed you yesterday. No, no. They're wanting food every day. And um, one of the things that, that we're encouraging you to, to do is to read your Bible every single day. Take the, take the message that you hear If you want to listen to the back messages, go back on the website and you can listen to the other sermons. You can download the worksheets. Get into the Word of God. Because the Bible says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Can you imagine what that looked like? They they were meeting in the temple. There were at least 3,120 plus visitors. Can you imagine what their connection cards must have looked like? And all the different things that they were doing. If you've ever been to the, um, to the, the temple site, you can see the, where they could have met. There's lots of different places they would have met. Right on the steps over here and up over there. And, and in the midst of very, in the heart of Judaism, here these new believers were meeting. And they were listening to the word of God. And they were understanding the Old Testament was revealing um, um, uh, the Old Testament was showing this, uh, the revelation of the Messiah who would come, and Jesus Christ was it. They were building their faith each and every day. You see, the teaching leads to action. It wasn't just teaching just, for the, just to get a bigger head. In fact, that was one of the problems in the Corinthian church. In the Corinthian church, Paul had to remind them that they were the body of Christ. Later on, he says, all you're doing is getting knowledge and filling yourself up, and you're all being puffed up. Your knowledge should be leading to action. Right now, let me encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to show you something from this message that you can learn and put into practice this week. The book of James tells us in James 1.22 that we're to be doers of the word and not Hears only so they were people of instruction that's the goal that's the motivation for the pastors it says uh, again in chapter 6 of Acts and verse number 4 but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and that's the purpose of the pastors Ephesians chapter 4 verse number um, 11 says that pastors and teachers were given to the church for the, quote, the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And there's that term again. He used it in, in, in um, the Corinthian situation. Now he's using the Ephesian situation. The building up the body of Christ. And then number three, another objective. Another goal, another purpose is fellowship fellowship oh we all love fellowships you know I grew up in churches and uh, I can remember back in the old days back in the 60s and and, in the 70s when the fellowship meant that you had a potluck dinner after church or something like that and that was fellowship time but this is different than that a whole lot different in fact he says that they were they were continuing in the apostles doctrine and that doctrine resulted in Fellowship. Um, The fellowship was focused fellowship. There's a Greek word there that's used throughout the New Testament that's been introduced in relationship to the body of Christ. Koinonia is a word that means that we're literally now in a new partnership of sharing. I want you to to think about this for a moment, yet 3,000 people who did not know each other, who are now selling their property in order to give to one another who had needs. Later on, because of persecution, they had to look after the widows, and so they were taking on responsibilities. That's kononia, that's fellowship. Fellowship isn't just a bunch of guys getting together and being friendly to each other. Fellowship is being a part of something to the point where the Bible says to bear one another's burdens. To pray together. That's the church. The Apostle Paul had that relationship with the church of Philippi. In Philippians chapter 1, he, he um, in the very beginning of that chapter, before he writes that wonderful four chapters there to that, that beautiful church there Philippi, he says he's praying for them. And he says in verses number 3 and 5, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your, quote, fellowship in the gospel, konoenia, in the gospel. Your partnership of sharing in the gospel. So it's focused. They're not just gathering together because they have the same ethnic group. Or they're gathered together because they have the same interests. They're gathered together because they have the same savior. It's focused on the gospel. Remember, there were at least 16 different dialects involved here. And now they're united. Later on, the Apostle Paul says, there's not Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no male, there's no female, there's no bond, there's no uh, 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 slave, there's no owner. He says, we're all one in Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. In fact, in Philippians um, 3, in verses 3 to 5, where he says, we have the fellowship of the gospel from the first day till now, it's that famous verse number six that follows. It says, being confident of this very thing, That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So it was focused fellowship. It was sacrificial fellowship as well. We see in verse number 45, as I mentioned before, that they sold their possessions to give to others. Same thing happened to the church of Philippi. Uh, Later on, Paul writes to the church of Philippi in in, in chapter 4, and in verse number 15, he says, Now you Philippians know also that from the beginning of the gospel, remember the fellowship of the gospel, when I departed into Macedonia, being a missionary, he says no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. The word shared with is kononia, which means they shared from each other. We, we heard a testimony here a few moments ago. One of our own has gone off to, to another part of Perth. <laughs> and he's gone to the northern reaches. Almost south Geraldton. And, um, and he's there on the beaches there. And God's given him a vision. And, he, and, and he's come. And in a way what he is saying is. You're sharing in this ministry. Paul had that same sort of love with the Philippian church. That's what church is. That's what we do. It's sacrificial. And then also we see that it's personal. In verse number 44, we see that they were together. In verse 45, it says that everyone had need. In verse number 46, it says that they were one accord. It wasn't theoretical, it was practical and it was together. In fact, the Bible tells us in in our worksheets this week for the connect groups, I've developed a a little thing for for you to look at for the one another passages. There's so many different one another imperatives in the New Testament when we are serving together as one another. And as we serve other believers in the church in practical ways, and as we allow them to express that same attitude toward us, we're practicing that sort of fellowship that we see in the New Testament That is church. That's church relationship. And we're expressing a mutual interdependence as members of the body of Christ. You know, there are people who think that they're not important in the church, and it doesn't really matter if they come or don't come. That's like the ear saying, you know what? I think I'll just not work today. Or the eye says, you know what? I think I'll just let the foot do the scene today. And the foot says, don't you dare do that. I'll stub my toe. I need someone to look after folks God's placed you in the body of Christ and so it's very very personal Henry Jowett said this he says ministries that cost nothing accomplish nothing and then the fourth thing is there's growth there's growth as I say, the kind of broad terms here. Look what it says in, in verse number 47. They're, they're, they've been going from house to house, breaking bread from house to house. I eat their food with gladness, simplicity of heart. Verse 46, verse 47 continues. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. And here's what the Lord did. The Lord says, you know, that's my church. That's my body. So the Lord said, I added to the church daily those who were being saved evangelism occurred evangelism reaching out to others with the gospel if we're not reaching out and growing then we're not functioning as the lord intended for the body of christ to function verse 47 he says that the lord added to the church daily such as being saved how do you do that well, in verse number, uh, chapter number four, in verse number four, the Bible says that there were five thousand believers added in one day. Just when they were sitting down, saying, "You know, I tell you what, let's let's take the weekend off because we've had a tough time, you know, baptizing and discipling three thousand people." The Lord says, "No, no, no, no. We've got five thousand more to come. So there's eight thousand. Oh, and that's just the men, because you know how kids are; they're running all over the place. Hard to count them. There were." Thousands and thousands that were, that were working. Was it an ideal situation? No, not at all. Because we, we see that persecution began. Peter was thrown in jail. Later on, they, they actually kill the deacon, the first deacon. Some, some of you guys are getting a little nervous now. And then the pastor was killed. James was martyred. The Bible tells us in chapter 4, verse number 32, that multitudes were believing. In chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And the the believers were increasingly added to the church. And multitudes, both men and women, were just multitudes were coming into the church. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6, verse number 1, that they were having problems with the administration of all this. And so in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, They had their teething problems. (laughs) Those are good problems to have because it says in chapter 6 and verse 7 of the same context, And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in in Jerusalem, and a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith. They couldn't get away from it. These Jewish priests were showing up at the temple each day to do their work. And what did they find? Bible studies going on all over the place. They found people praising God because Jesus rose from the dead. And these, these, um, uh, the influence of those Christians reached to the priests. And they were being saved. But then we find persecution really stepped up. Chapter number 8, when we find that there was a man named Saul who was grabbing women and children and men and throwing them into prison. He was overseeing the martyrdom of Stephen, who preached an incredible sermon. You read it. It's all written there. Great transcript. <laughs> and, and, then, and then we find that they were scattered abroad. This was not a church that was comfortable. This was a church that was going through extreme persecution to the point where the other churches were taking up offerings to help them. Yet what were they doing? They were scattered. They were scattered. The Bible says in chapter 8, and verse number 4, therefore those who were scattered abroad because of the persecution, what did they do? They went everywhere preaching the word. Where do you think they learned that? they learned that in chapter 2 in verse number 42 when they were steadfastly into the apostles doctrine fellowship folks let me ask you something why has God placed you and me as Southwest Baptist Church in this part of the world why are we here Let me propose to you that God has placed you in the church to grow. He doesn't want you to be a stagnant Christian. He wants you to grow. He wants you to serve. He's given you the ability through his body right here as a functioning um, entity to be able to grow and to serve him to the glory of God. Remember, whatsoever things you do, whatsoever things you eat, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. God, let me finish with that, with that statement that I began with in your, in your bulletin there on the front there. Those united with Christ in salvation are to share the life of Christ with one another which results in spiritual growth individually and in the church body. Let's grow together. Let's step up together and be worshiping people. Instructed people, fellowshipping people, and growing people. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, that today commitments would be made. That we would be devoted to you. That the things that, that when we look in our society, Lord, and we, and we see the things that, that are occurring all around us, it creates great fear and anguish in our community. And yet, Lord, we can rejoice and we can praise you so that the world sees in our community that we are different because indeed you have risen from the dead. Indeed, you are indwelling us and we are the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that this week we will make commitments to be those hands and those feet, to be the eyes and the ears, to be the ones who are being tempered together for your glory in your church, in Jesus' name, amen.